start to piggyback off of what James was talking about last night. Um, I was trying to figure out um, how uh, how we actually go about implementing geothermal wind and solar regulations and found this giant meta study that was talking about uh, limitations coming off of the Paris Accord and talked about how there are four uh, economic ways that we go about actually enforcing climate policy. Um, and, and so a lot of what James talked about is in those bottom two categories. The reason that I included this chart is because if you look on the far uh, right side, that column says uh, potential to, in, uh, to increase private investments, and it tells us, it tells us if that mechanism directly or indirectly uh, increases investments. So I think it's a really good way to, to uh, figure out what the literature talks about um, in terms of directly topical versus potentially not directly topical. Um, the quantity-based instruments, so this here second category um, is one that I think specifically answers some questions from last night. The renewable portfolio standards is something that James mentioned um, and John mentioned a little bit um, where we just say you must meet X amount of your energy production through renewable standards. Um, and a lot of the research is conclusive that that directly increases uh, investments from private companies um, to say that that's probably a mechanism that we get access to, um, to where the federal government just says uh, you must meet X amount of uh, energy production through renewable standards. Um, might actually be something that we get to read as uh, topical apps. So I wanted to include this just so that we would have it um, to be able to reference against it. If you look down here in the fiscal and the financial instruments, um, those are the tax breaks, the tax incentives, and the um, uh, grants that James was talking about. Um, but there is a little bit more to the list than just those uh, few mechanisms to be able to use. So once this gets uploaded into the Discord, um, it might give us some ideas of where to start looking for when we're looking for affirmative actions. Um, so now when we're talking about geothermal, solar, and then we'll get to wind in the next slide, I do believe. Um, there are 64 geothermal plants in America today. Um, so less geothermal plants than there are nuclear plants. Uh, and when we're talking about solar power, um, solar power has become more affordable and accessible. Um, it has grown 17-fold uh, from 2008, um, and it, it produces a lot of jobs as well. So when we're talking about solar power, um, it is on the rise. It is on the rise very quickly, um, and it is something that people can take uh, advantage of quite well. Um, I forgot, because I'm silly, to put the actual picture of wind power in. Um, so we'll just pull it up real quick. I'll put it in the final slideshow, though. Um, this shows how much electricity is generated via wind um, in the United States um, based on each state. So uh, the South doesn't really have a whole lot of wind power. Um, so if you're wanting to read a wind power app, um, maybe you can find somewhere in the South to stick some turbines. Um, but most states are on board the wind train. Both, most states have um, some sort of wind capacity as of 2017. Um, so it's, it's a pretty popular uh, production energy method. Now when we're talking specifically about geothermal, like James mentioned last night, um, the 2020 fiscal budget request really puts a big damp, uh, a, a big slash into um, research and development funding, uh, renewable fundings across the board. Um, like James mentioned, it's not terribly probable that these uh, budget reductions pass. However, it does show that uh, Trump really hates all of this whole uh, uh, renewable energy, um, and the, the Trump administration is really pushing for coal, clean coal, 
this fictitious thing that doesn't exist. And so um, a lot of what the federal government is going to try to do is not to increase investment in renewables. Um, so when we're talking about geothermal, there are three types of geothermal energy systems. There's direct use, there's electricity generation, and then there's geothermal heat pumps. Uh, we're not really going to be talking about geothermal heat pumps in this presentation today. Um, it's covered by the other two, uh, but I did want to mention that it does exist in case you find some weird small thing to talk about. So when we talk about direct use and heating, um, it's, it's where we actually take heat from the ground and just pump it places to warm things up. Um, the way that we use geothermal is we find reservoirs of hot water underground that are higher than 300 degrees Fahrenheit. And then we use the pressure and the heat that those generate um, to produce electricity uh, and so, or to directly use them. So the industrial applications for geothermal industry are food dehydration, gold mining, and milk pasteurizing. Um, so if you're looking at industries for whatever advantage scenarios you're going for, good luck, because that's what you get to work with. Um, probably not the best for uh, economic uh, or uh, growth uh, scenarios coming off of geothermal um, affirmatives. However, when we look at electricity generation, as of 2018, seven states produce geothermal electricity. The majority of that, by a long shot, is in California. 72% of all geothermal electricity in the United States came from California in 2018, but geothermal only made up 6% of California's total electricity generation. So it does not account for a whole lot of energy production in those individual states. Um, Nevada comes in second place, uh, all the way down to New Mexico, uh, that gets an honorable mention. Um, so it's not really something that generates a whole lot of electricity in the United States uh, or in the individual states um, where they are used. And a lot of that comes from where they actually like get to be and how we get to use them. So when we look at, at what the future of geothermal holds, the Department of Energy identified that early stage research into technology improvements, reduced development costs, and improved exploration and production uh, are essential to drive investment in America's energy diversity. Um, it's really difficult to find places to build geothermal sites. It's really expensive to find places to build geothermal sites. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, investment into technologies that make it more reliable to find and make geothermal electricity wells um, would be a huge break in geothermal uh, investment because it's just not worth the money um, to, to try to create geothermal power plants as it stands right now. Um, and so there are four areas of early stage research um, that you might look into if you are wanting to fund geothermal uh, investments for an affirmative area. Uh, enhanced geothermal systems to explore materials um, for man-made reservoirs, because there's not always just a body of water that's super duper hot underneath every location, kind of like Alan alluded to earlier. And so if we could find ways to artificially make those reservoirs underground, um, then that would be a, a really big breakthrough into how and why and when we build geothermal plants. Um, being able to find blind conventional resources so being able to find things that we don't know about right now, being able to figure out where those are um, and, and how big they are, how useful they will be, um, or figuring out ways to not need the water to quite be 300 degrees Fahrenheit. If we could find ways to use uh, or, or generate or produce energy from uh, uh, reservoirs and wells that aren't that hot, 
um, would vastly open up opportunities for investment in the realm of geothermal energy. And then finally, um, system analysis. That's kind of the boring one, just figuring out ways to do stuff better, I guess, um, would be something to, to greatly improve investments into geothermal. Because as it stands right now, um, geothermal just isn't exciting. It's not something that a whole lot of people know about, care about, think about. Um, and it's very expensive to get into. So there's no reason for power companies to want to be involved in the first place. Um, so some barriers to investment in geothermal. Um, exploration drilling results led to drilling full-size development wells less than one-third of the time. Um, so earlier, Alan was uh, trying to make a joke talking about how uh, you wouldn't want to put a geothermal plant and then drill down and find out, oh, there's no hot water here to do geothermal plants. Um, that's actually how we go about making geothermal plants in the status quo. Um, we build a small one, and then we drill down to see just how useful it's going to be um, before we make it into a full-scale production. And less than one-third of the time do those actually get to be full-scale production. Um, so two-thirds of the time, we are just building on top of empty land that's not actually going to be able to do anything. And so the money for that exploration ends up being wasted. Um, and the, the money for that exploration, confirmation that it's going to do something, and then escalation uh, into something worthwhile constitutes 30 to 50% of the cost for building geothermal. Um, so they're having to waste anywhere from 30 to 50% of the cost of a geothermal plant just to figure out it's not going to work. Uh, and so uh, investment firms don't really want to do that. Energy companies don't want to do that where they have a 50-50 shot of just wasting money. Um, that's not something that they would ever want to take advantage of. Um, existing technologies uh, just don't allow us to be very efficient or very good at what we do. So while it might be cheap to initially say, I think there might be a, a potential in this location, it's not terribly cheap to actually try to make that come to fruition. Um, and so finding uh, technologies, uh, researching into technologies that would make that something that's more accessible um, would be a great way, uh, a, a great affirmative area for people to want to invest into the realm of geothermal. Um, there are discussions of fracking in the realm of geothermal, using fracking te uh, uh, techniques as a way to go about um, looking, but the difference between oil and the difference between uh, hydrothermal resources underground um, means that fracking is not terribly reliable um, and not terribly great. Um, so having to come up with new techniques when geothermal really does try to model itself after the oil and natural gas industry is very hard um, is, is something that uh, is a struggle. Um, another barrier is that subsurfaces must be engineered so that heat can be extracted economically. Um, so when we go and build it, it's really expensive to make the actual plant. Um, and when we go and drill oil and natural gas, uh, it can take a month, a few months before um, they make back the money that it costs to drill that oil well. Um, and then everything after that month is just profit um, and maintenance costs. But when you're talking about geothermal wells, um, it can take a decade before you even break even on costs. And so when it takes that long, investors are always going to choose the more reliable technology that is oil and gas um, to want to do that. Part of the reason that that happens, and David was talking about it in his lecture when he was talking about the way energy is produced and how uh, hydroelectric constantly produces energy. Our power grids are built around uh, natural gas uh, in, in how that produces energy. It produces a much more reliable energy source uh, natural gas does than geothermal. 
um, because geothermal produces very small amounts of energy at a constant pace, um, but can fluctuate um, from really tiny to kind of tiny and, and back and forth. And so our energy grids are not built around using that sort of energy in any kind of way uh, that is profitable. Um, and so geothermal, it, it's just kind of uninvested in and doesn't really have a whole lot going for it in terms of how it's actually going to um, make a profit or, uh, or, or a return on investment. Um, so that's, that's kind of geothermal. Um, it's, it's really not very popular uh, of a renewable. It's a, it's a really kind of expensive uh, renewable to break into, a really kind of expensive uh, renewable to try to produce anything worthwhile. Um, and so the investments are going to mostly need to come in the form of research and development, finding ways to make it better, faster, and stronger. Um, so do y'all have any questions about geothermal? Uh, can yeah. just go back to the slide that I talked about four areas of real estate research? Yeah. Thanks. Yep. Are any of these like actual four things like that we're doing right now and are feasible that are actually going to work? Or are we just maybe like, oh, maybe we could find some low temperature something? So these are all areas that we currently have funding for. Um, these are all things that in some capacity people are trying to do, but these are also the four areas that are on the chopping block for that 2020 decrease budget that Trump is up for. Um, so there is money for it now, but it's, it's not really anything that, that looks to be um, big and new. We'll talk in, in when we get to wind and solar. There have been some really big breakthroughs in how we do those things uh, lately. That's just not happening in the realm of geothermal energy. Well, is there any evidence that says that like, if we were able to find So I, I, I haven't found any research that says that it would, like comparing how that breakthrough would happen, um, but it is one of those things that is, is considered like one of the holy grails of geothermal uh, energy production. Um, if we can find a way to not need to put it on top of a geyser or hot spring, um, then that would make it uh, a lot more um, uh, popular, a lot more palatable to um, investors. This slide does talk about how if we want to drive investment in America's energy uh, diversity, and specifically if we want to get geothermal's full potential, then we need uh, funding in development costs uh, and we need funding in early stage research. Um, but I don't know how that compares to other things since this does say energy diversity. It's not really like comparing itself to renewables, it's comparing itself to fossil fuels. Um, and so having to, like doing that research into the comparisons and what would make geothermal something that people would want to talk about compared to other renewables, I think that's gonna be a challenge. Um, fortunately, the resolution doesn't say you have to pick one area, so you maybe could read an act that deals with geothermal in some way plus something else, but um, there's not really a whole lot in the world of geothermal happening. Um, it's all kind of below the surface level, um, apropos, I suppose. Any other questions about geothermal? Okie dokie. Then let's... Thomas, are you good on this slide? Yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about wind and solar. Growth in the solar and wind power industries uh, was supported in two ways. Supply-side incentives, those tax incentives, credit supports, R&D grant funding that James talked about last night, 
and then demand mandates by the federal and state governments where the federal government said, we expect you to produce X amount of your energy using wind and solar. Um, so uh, this is an investment firm that says those are the two things that drove the growth of wind and solar. Um, so that is, that is kind of the background of, of wind and solar in America and, and how it came to be. So when you're trying to figure out um, what things work to increase investments, investors are telling us um, that it is a combination of these sorts of things. Fortunately, we didn't get the uh, production consumption resolutions either direction, so you can incorporate mechanisms from both sides into your plan text. Um, but when we're looking at wind and solar, we, we have kind of a history to say what makes people want to invest in those things. Um, which really helps us when it comes to solvency questions of figuring out how the hell that works. Um, so I have this title, Barriers to Wind. Um, a lot of the research use, talks about wind, talks about wind and solar, talks about renewals, renewables. So a lot of these barriers don't necessarily just apply to wind power, um, but could apply to solar uh, or really to any of the above um, when we're talking about why people don't want to do it. Um, and so I, I feel it's important to include these things either so we can figure out what inherency ground looks like um, or so we can kind of figure out what some of the negative arguments look like because uh, some of the concerns that I've been hearing is that negative ground doesn't necessarily exist or it's really hard to find. And so if we can find ways to, to nitpick it while also looking at how can we improve the sector, um, I think that that might be a, a valuable discussion to have. Um, so these two things and the next slide all come from the same place, so I've got cited at the end. Uh, first. Sustainable development stems from satisfaction of human desires. Um, and so what this is talking about is that people either don't know why we need wind, solar, or other renewables, um, they don't know how the technology works, um, or they don't know how feasible it is economically. So they think that it costs a lot of money to put a wind turbine on their house or to put a solar panel on their house, or they don't realize just how beneficial those are. And so um, while we might think that a lot of people understand and know that we should probably start moving to renewable energy, um, the research says that there's still a sizable number of people who are ignorant on the question of how that works. And so if, if you can make the public understand the importance of something, then that would increase investments because that puts uh, public pressure onto corporations to uh, invest into renewables. Um, we're already starting to see a little bit of that happen now. Um, and so if we can... Uh, find a way to fix the, the, the public ignorance question, um, then that might be a way to drive investments up as well. The second thing they talk about is not in my backyard syndrome. Um, for people who know about renewables, they're all about wind turbines. They love solar panels, but heck do they think those things are ugly and they don't want them where they can see them. Uh, Trump has this line that says, put one up near your house and you'll watch the value of your house decrease. Whether or not that's true or not is, is a valid question to look into because a lot of people view uh, renewable energies in that same way. Um, they think they're ugly, they don't think they're desirable near, near them, and so while they want the benefits that those renewables might bring, they want them far away from where they live. Um, and so finding ways to uh, overcome that sort of uh, stigma or find places to put them um, really helps public investment because as it stands right now, when investors come in and say, I want to build a wind farm, um, then all of a sudden there are interest groups from across local and state areas that say, no, 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 don't bring that here, move that over there, move that over there, move that over there. Um, and so when we're talking about wind and solar specifically, they take a lot of land. Um, and if you look at places that have a lot of those uh, wind turbines, um, it's like Kansas. And so the thing that it trades off with is farmland um, because big, empty, windy areas in the middle of the United States are great for wind turbines. 
They're also really good to grow food out of. And so there is a direct trade-off that comes there um, in, in having to figure out do we want to farm more or do we want to farm wind more. Um, and so having finding ways to, to balance off that trade-off um, is a really important barrier to uh, wind energy and solar energy, um, finding places to put all of those and finding ways to make people not care when we put it near to them. Um, so vast area of land, um, again, it takes a lot of land, and so finding places to put them that doesn't uh, impact where we're growing food. Um, if we put wind turbines in the water, what impact does that have on fish populations, on underwater populations? Does that impact them in any negative way? What does it do to tourism? Um, if we suddenly put a bunch of wind turbines underwater off the coast in the Gulf of Mexico, um, does that mean that the tourism industry of those uh, states is effective because people can't take their boats in all the same places? Um, and so um, those are some trade-offs to wind energy um, if we're looking into the realm of disadvantages to, to read against wind AFs, um, is figuring out what industries are going to be negative effectively, but, uh, negatively affected uh, by those wind turbines. Um, the final point here is something that I find interesting. Um, I brought this question to John last night. Um, do work in, uh, initiatives count as investments? Um, because a lot of the reason that people don't want to build renewables um, is because there aren't skilled workers to build, maintain, and operate those renewables. Um, and so in a world where uh, I know I'm going to build a wind farm, but then I'm going to have to pay a lot of money to train somebody to manage my wind farm um, because I have to first train them how to do that and then pay them to do something like that, um, it's, it makes it really difficult for companies to want to invest in that. And so if the federal government comes in and says, we will take on the cost of training people, um, does that count as an investment? Because it is a large, uh, a large barrier to a, a, a adoption of renewables. Um, and so whether or not those federal work programs would count as an investment is, I think, an interesting question um, and an interesting area to go when you're talking about wind and solar because we already see a lot of people increasing investments in that realm. They are the renewables that are the most popular and are growing at the fastest rate. And so finding uh, reasons why those, like ways to make those investments that are already growing grow even faster um, is necessary if you're going to want to read AFs on wind or solar. Um, and so I think, I think maybe a, a work program or a work initiative are, are good ways to kind of cut into that ground. Um, current energy infrastructures are not set up for new sources. Our energy infrastructure, old as crap. Um, it's really, really old and it's really, really inefficient. Um, and it's, it's meant to handle energy coming in at a rather constant rate. Um, and it's not the best at storing energy. Um, so when you look at things, um, people all the time say, well, the wind's not always blowing. And while that's not necessarily the best argument to say that wind power is bad, it's still true. Um, sometimes the, the wind doesn't blow as strongly. And so figuring out ways to store the energy that is coming off of the high wind days so that we can then put it into the power grid at a constant rate on the low wind days is a really tricky question. Uh, figuring out where to put solar panels that they get maximum amount of sunlight because it's not just cloudy days that matter. It's the fact that our, sun, that, that our planet rotates away from the sun. And so some seasons, they just don't get sunlight. It really sucks to put solar panels uh, in, in either extreme of the hemisphere because sometimes there's just six months where the sun actually doesn't rise. Um, pretty extreme example. It's not like that in the middle of the country. Um, but that still impacts the way that that power is generated. And so when that power is generated at fluctuating rates, 
um, it means that our energy structure, our energy infrastructure isn't built to manage that. So it's not just hydrothermal uh, that needs to worry about, uh, uh, sorry, hydroelectric energy that needs to worry about our infrastructure. Updating our infrastructure helps all renewables because that's a, an issue that all renewables face is how does our aging power grid accept an, a, energy sources that don't necessarily maintain a constant rate. Um, yeah. Um, I, since it's a question of the investments, um, I'm not sure because if, if you stand up and say, um, we should, uh, incentivize, uh, like better battery production, um, then increase investments in battery, ba uh, battery technology, um, then that would, that would help with the power grid issue. Um, alternatively, um, Tesla, with their electric cars, have made leaps and bounds in battery technology. So if we just said the federal government will add batteries to uh, a power system, um, that might count as an investment, like direct federal government spending of, of things that already exist, maybe incorporating those into power grids. Um, I think that updating a power grid, like David was talking about, would be a pretty topical way to go about it. Um, and I think that you would be able to draw more advantages than just uh, hydroelectric. I think that in a world where you update our power system, that that's access is more than just one area of the resolution um, because I think all renewables have that question of how do we make a really old system that was built around natural gas function with new technology that's not natural gas. I think it's like textbook effects topical though on this resolution to do that. Really? Because like energy sources other than the five would also benefit which is like the test how you prove if it's an investment in one of those five sectors. So the plan would be an investment in the energy grid. So would and that be textbook extra As a result of that, then? those sectors would probably receive more like investment. But to me, that explanation right there of how it could be topical is exactly how you would explain to someone what effects topicality is. It's like any number of like any number of energy sources would benefit from the grid being modernized. Would that You'd not be any advantages just from the five in the topic or any one of the ones you wanted in the topic? Mm -hmm. But then that proves that the plan itself is not targeted at those energy sectors of not investing, it's not investing in those sectors, it's investing in the grid, which then might lead to investment in those sectors. Mm -hmm. So the energy policy action that happens in the resolution would be towards the grid. And so like, it's a good idea, it would solve, but I, for me, that's like the bright line, that has to be effects topical in my mind. But then there are things, but there are things then between that app on the spectrum and the app that's like, build dams with federal dollars, which mm -hmm. is probably like one of the more topical things you could do, that like it's debatable where the effects T line exists. Mm -hmm. But for me, the grid app is like, that has to be effects topical. So what about like creation of new grids that only function with one of the five? I mean, if it was like a specific grid just for like nuclear, I guess that would be topical, but it's not a real thing. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. That doesn't exist. Cool. You could maybe be like, well, 
There you go. Dams. Dam sauce. Um, so, um, an interesting note um, about the way that we actually build, specifically solar panels, um, is that it's, it's actually not great for the environment. Um, you might think, oh, cool, I'm not burning fossil fuels to power my home because I have this dope solar grid. Um, but when you look at how we actually make solar panels, um, we have to go mine pretty rare elements out of the earth, and our mining is horrible for the environment. And then we have to ship the raw material to a place that will refine and manufacture it into something. And those refineries um, also just dump toxic, like horrible amounts of emissions into the air. And then we've got to ship it to your house and then you hook it up. So when you look at the actual uh, like carbon footprint of solar panels, um, it's not nearly as renewable as, as some people would like to think. And so um, it, it does, there is some cancellation to um, the, the, the green impact that a solar panel can have um, because across the life of a solar panel, um, it cracks and you've got to fix it, but the way you fix it is you just replace it. And so um, having all of those renewables that are pretty unsustainably created in the first place um, puts a, a, a pretty big damper on the, the green impact of solar panels. It's an improvement to the current, what we have, um, but investments into finding ways to make it better um, could be something um, that, that there's, there's research and, and there's, there's funding being put to fixing some of these uh, environmental impact issues. Um, and so finding ways to incentivize that um, could get you access to different uh, impact grounds um, than some, uh, some apps might be able to gain access to because you're, you're able to then talk about how you're fixing, um, like reducing uh, uh, rare earth mineral mining or something like that. Um, and being able to gain access to, to impacts like that um, probably would be unique, at least to solar panels, because I don't think that other industries would have access to like mining impacts, uh, and our mining system sucks butts. Um, so 1% of global energy is produced by the sun. That figure is, is expected to reach 10% by 2030. Um, economic and technical issues have held the technology back for decades and are finally starting to uh, be fixed. Um, because there is such a push for renewable energy. And so the, the investment that we have seen in the past is what is driving us to start conquering some challenges. And as we conquer old challenges, new ones present themselves. Um, and so um, this, this topic is, in a lot of people's minds, partially a backfile check question. Um, but a lot of that backfile check is invalidated by the fact that we're constantly growing and evolving. And so some of the issues from when this topic was debated in years past um, have been fixed and some new issues are starting to surface. Um, and so I think that those are the areas uh, to focus on if you or your school or somewhere in the, that, that has debated this quite a bit. I think that in the world of renewables specifically, there are updates that are happening in that uh, to, to make it so that um, there are new issues to need to be talked about. Um, wind and solar is by far the largest renewable. Lots and lots of people are investing in it. Lots and lots of people are continuing or growing their investments in it. Um, and so that is one of, it, it is the most popular form, the, the two most popular forms of renewable energies. Um, so it, research is abundant to say that it's good, that it'll fix problems, that it'll help things. Um, but finding ways to in, increase investment in a, in a sector that's already growing um, could be a struggle on the affirmative side. Um, so I think that it, it'd be easier uh, to get impacts off of these things. I think it'd be easier to, to have the bottom level of, a, of an affirmative case for wind and solar. But I think hydroelectric, geothermal, nuclear are probably going to be easier to build top-level cases. Um, and so I think that's something to keep in mind when you're looking at what AF you want to write for the season, um, is figuring out 
Um, do you want to have to issue inherency issues at most tournaments? Do you want to have to just go for big impacts? Um, do you want easier access to big impacts? And I think figuring out um, where you want your debates to happen is going to help influence what sector you start researching into most heavily. Y'all have any questions about solar, wind, geothermal? Solar has interesting capacity for advantages that other people don't have in the mm -hmm. sense that it is accessible to the individual consumer. Mm -hmm. So all the other energy sources are mostly on a, I guess geothermal too, could be like a home, home energy source or whatever, but uh, solar has the capacity of being a corporate energy source where they could produce large amounts of solar panels, could produce large amounts of energy for like entire sections of a city or whatever. Um, but also, like, you could have programs to put solar panels on people's homes and stuff like that. You mm -hmm. could have, like, an app that's about, like, getting solar panels installed on people's roofs at a large scale. Um, and so that's, like, a reason why there's so much investment in solar is because companies see it as, like, a way to investing in the same technology pays off for them and their ability to sell solar panels to people who make, like, backpacks. So they have, like, a solar-powered backpack for, like, campers or whatever or solar powered tents or like whatever, but they also then can use that same technology to make highly efficient large scale solar arrays to, set, to sell energy to consumers through the energy grid. So like the same R&D investment, there are so many like tendrils of profit that's available to the companies that that's one of the reasons why solar gets, like if you remember James's bar graph that he made that had like the bars, but also the lines, like the, the bar graph for solar was like massive amounts of investment, but the actual electricity output to the grid was really low. Um, there, there's a lot of interest in that technology because of the, the spin-out potential applications for solar. And so finding an app that capitalizes on the avenues for solar could be a really interesting way to approach solar. Like a smaller app that's just like people should have solar power on their homes and like mm -hmm. what are the benefits to that for people or like whatever. Um, and so solar has that capability to talk about individual like solutions to climate and to like energy. Um, solar gives unlocks that for you if that's like a debate you want to have or a debate you want to like start and lead in the in your affirmative rounds. But other forms of energy don't have that, so it's like another component of solar that you could talk about. It doesn't have to be energy grid. It could be like tax breaks for individual uses of solar rather than giant corporate like energy company uses of solar, um, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. James. Um, something I want to mention on solar 